I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, so the interception by the Patriots stood as an interception the play i was telling you about before we went to the newscast but it was not a touchdown return the patriots did get the ball they take it down to about the rams 20 cam newton is intercepted and it's returned all the way for a touchdown so 14 seconds into the second quarter it is 17 nothing for the rams just got a text from dave campbell who's a patriot supporter who uh, i'm not sure he's going to stay tuned into this one right through the final gun. It's going to be pretty tough for the Patriots to outscore the Rams by 17 or more points over the final three quarters of this game, given how their offense has looked. And the Rams got a pretty good defense. I cheer for the Seahawks, but I think the Rams are the best team in that division. I think they'll be dangerous once they get into the playoffs. I know the Packers and Saints look pretty good, but I think the Rams are a a pretty well-rounded team. Great to have Nathan Dempsey on the show, former NHLer, now campus director at Vimy Ridge Hockey shared some career memories and took us through the last decade of his life uh, about 10 years since he found out for sure that he has Parkinson's disease. Really appreciate him sharing that story. You ever missed anything on the show? Look for the podcast inside sports, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to the show page on 630shed.com. We've had some fun interviews this week. I really enjoyed top, talking to Tom Higgins on Monday. Now the defensive coordinator for the U of A Golden Bears really took us inside the headset about that call the Jets made the defense against the Raiders how coaches make decisions on play calling how the head coach might even get get involved during a game that was uh that was really cool Brian Burke who's uh, an awesome guest every Thursday on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. I also recommend that show if you're looking for a podcast he was on with Bob earlier today talking about possible cap reductions to counteract the player debt that's going to be owed to the owners. The, the, the answer is that the cap goes to $60 million for a couple of years. And you recover, if the cap drops $10 million with 31 teams, you recover $310 million. Yep. So that's, that's only half. If you drop the cap by 10 mil, you only recover half that money. So the answer is they're 50-50 partners. I don't know how they do it, but they're going to do it. The owners are not going to walk away from that kind of money well we're in we're in the middle of a pretty big story because we got the pandemic from a sports perspective the nfl is trying to finish this season the nhl is trying to come back the nba is getting ready to come back we'll see what happens with baseball of course all the junior and university leagues as we bring bob stoffer onto the show i just wonder bob and you know generally i try to be a positive guy and i know i'm looking way ahead but let me throw this at you i'm wondering if the seeds are planted here for some nasty negotiations even labor labor stoppages once we get there in five or six years because you know burke said it chris johnson said it on my show the owners aren't going to forget what's happened over the last few months let's not forget the age of the respective leaders right from the nhl gary batman he probably has you know this is probably his last uh CBA agreement in place, Reed. And then on the other side, Don Fear. I mean, Don Fear is living in the middle of nowhere in the U.S. He's not based in Canada or New York City from an NHLPA perspective. So I think these guys have fought their last war. 
but I think you're 100% bang on. But let's get through. <laughs> let's get back and playing from the pandemic and then see if they can rebuild things. I mean, the difference, you talked about the NFL. Forbes had a story out this week on the valuations of franchises. The NFL teams received $260 million just for TV. The NHL, from their national TV deal, the NHL receives $20 million. So they got to find a way to get that. You know, that's each team gets $20 million from the combination of Sportsnet and uh, NBC. The NBC deal for the league is only $200 million a year. So that's like six and a half million bucks per team. So the other 13 and a half million is coming from um, the uh, NHL hockey and Rogers deal. So we'll see where it goes. They're going to have to do things differently. They're going to have to probably have ad placement on jerseys and they're going to have to get involved in fantasy sports as well. I think that's inevitable. Uh, I'm just looking up while you said that. Okay. So NBC pays the NHL $200 million a year for what do they basically have a game of the week in the second half of the season, some games on their cable channel, and then most of the playoffs. Right. And, and Sunday night football uh, is $950 million for 17 games plus two or three playoff games. Right. And what now the lesson and what the NFL did is what the NHL is trying to do in the States. And that's multi-tier. So have a situation where you're not just going to be ESPN is going to be, they need ESPN back in the game. They need ESPN involved. The position that they're in in Canada is hockey's number one. I mean, I love doing a show called total sports, but the reality is I could never do enough total Oilers. So like, that's just how it works in our market. I mean, you're as eclectic of a guy as possible, but NHL hockey floats the boat in Canada. That's just the way it works in the States. It doesn't in the States. It's a three or four, depending upon the market and NFL's number one. And in the deep South college football's number one. So, um, you know, it's going to be really intriguing to see, Reed, how much they get in their next TV deal, which is up at the end of the season. And don't think that's not another reason why Batman wants to push this thing over the uh, finish line and wants to play for 2020-2021. Yeah, a good point. I'm just, if people missed it earlier, I have talked about this a couple of times, but it was a significant tweet put out today by John Shannon, who's, who's on your show a couple of times a week. He comes on Inside Sports sometimes too. Basically, the NHL... He, he said a source confirms NHL is planning the private purchase of a COVID vaccine. And then he clarified where he says, look, of course, they're interested in getting it. They're not going to jump the line. But if it's available for private purchase, they would look into it. Of course, they would have to do that. Uh, I did phone John this afternoon, have a brief chat. The number we came up with is they'd probably need three to 4,000 vaccines to get through the season because you'd need players, coaches, GMs, refs, some of the off-ice people working in the rink during games. But, I mean, look, th- Bob, this... I understand why people might react to a pro sports league saying this, but they're they're not going to jump the queue. And look, in the summer, they they bought they paid what well, it was in the neighborhood of ten million. It might have even more to to pay for over thirty three thousand tests to get everybody through the bubble. So there is you know they they can do this. It's not illegal for them to look into it and do it. No, it's not. And the reality is that uh, there's multiple. Uh, potential vaccines that are being developed in the United States, which means they get to the American marketplace in theory first. uh, first. I know there was a a big story that moved yesterday afternoon. I think it was in the Toronto Star 
about the fact that there's the perception of some that Canada's actually hoarded the amount of potential uh, vaccines that they've ordered, and it would be on the order of about approximately uh, seven, uh, seven times the requisite need per citizen in Canada. We'll wait and see when that ultimately comes to fruition. Uh, you know, obviously, we got to get our... Uh, we got to get our medical people uh, up and running, vaccinated. That's an absolute given. Everybody that works around the hospital, uh, and then there will be a focus on the elderly, who are most at risk and vulnerable people. And then, um, you know, Reed, as you know, when it comes to the First Nations, uh, that is a federal responsibility. So that is going to be worked into the equation as well. So we'll see how it all comes and plays out. But there could be some room for the growth. I don't know if it's as dire as Brian suggested is. Um, but he's also been in those negotiations, Reed, so he's got a handle. I would suggest there's several owners that probably don't like the idea of losing, you know, 50 to $70 million this year if we don't get any fans in the seats, and, and that's part of the challenge, and they're going to have to find a way long-term to offset and defray those costs and get some of that money back from the players. Yeah, and I, I, I said this last night because it, it's obviously an incredibly difficult time. I know it's easy to be pessimistic and talk about the worst-case scenarios, but as Bettman has said, how the season starts doesn't have to be how the season finishes. So maybe maybe the buildings are a quarter full for the playoffs. I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm just hopeful people are – I mean, we've seen the videos of people getting vaccinated in, in Great Britain, so you know, maybe things start to feel a little better and there, there is some other revenue coming in for, for NHL teams, maybe, maybe who make the postseason or even, or even late in the regular season. And I'm not sure. trying to sell anything you know, from fairyland, but that's possible. No, it is, and uh, again, we're sort of at the mercy of this, and the one thing that needs to be realized, every actually today was one of the first days I didn't talk about uh, the viruses at all, but the virus is the enemy. Uh, how it gets played by various political entities is irrelevant to the equation. we got to beat the virus, and so we're going to have to be, you know, a combination of what we all do to live our lives safely on a day-to-day basis, and then rely on science to come up with some solutions through a combination of vaccination. I know I talked to a lot of our uh, season seat holders and that sort of thing on a daily basis, and the, multi- the majority of those guys, us and gals, all went back in the building because they love they love the sport. So we'll see ultimately uh, how this plays out. Patriots go for it on fourth down from inside the five. They do not get in. Cam Newton tackled short of the end zone. Still seventeen nothing. About six and a half left in the uh, in the first half. That that I mean that Patriots and Bob. I'm gonna. As you, as you know, most of my predictions are wrong. This one was really wrong because I was, well, this this is perfect. What a great situation for Cam Newton. No country, you know, low-paying contract, no pressure. Belichick is coach. He's going to figure it out. That offense is a disaster. I mean, they've gotten up to six and six, but when they need yeah, to move the ball, they can't do it. Well, they can run, but they can't pass because they don't have any playmakers at receiver. And uh, you look at the Ravens, they can run, but they can't pass because they don't have any playmakers at receiver. You look at the difference of Arizona and Kyler Murray, and I know he's cooled off of late, but they, you know, they bring themselves in a, a pretty good receiver out of uh, Houston, and it changes the complexion of what uh, I'd say a decent quarterback in Houston can do too. So uh, you still got to have guys, and, and you can translate that metaphor for for hockey. Is, is as much as the Oilers have got two of the five best players in the world, they're going to need to see some continued growth and development with Yamamoto become a full-time top six guy obviously they have Nugent Hopkins and I know there's a lot of excitement from the Oilers fan base uh you know another Carter Savoy six goals and Carter Savoy actually Reed I don't know if you know this is tied for the NCAA scoring leader I'm going to shoot a stat at you uh 
Cole Caulfield, the first-round draft choice of Montreal, has got six goals. He has 53 shots on goal. Carter Savoy scored a six-goal tonight. He had 13 shots going into that game. So uh, he's uh, he can obviously uh, shoot. He's an accurate guy. It's a great story. I know there's a lot of excitement from Carter and the orders about Ryan McLeod. And, uh, you know, there's a couple other guys, second-round pick you'd remember from a year ago when we were in Vancouver that's had a pretty good start playing in the Swedish uh, the second division, which people need to understand. In or, uh, if you're a North American, if you you go to the first division, you have to stay in the top division, the SHL. You have to stay for the year if you're North American. If you're Swedish, you can still go back to the NHL. So that's why the owners ended up placing multiple players in second division in the Allskaven in uh, Sweden. All right. Are you ready for the quiz? I'm pretty proud of this oh, one. I think you're going to enjoy it too. Uh-oh. This might be difficult. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to do it in this order. The The first category is Patriots quarterbacks. Okay. Who was the Patriots' starting quarterback in the 1986 Super Bowl against Chicago? Tony Eason. He went 0 for 6 with three sacks and a lost fumble. As a bonus point, who replaced him? Uh, 86. Was, was Steve Grogan still there at that time? You, I owe you a Frappuccino when we can get together in person again. You got them both, Tony Eason and Steve Grogan. That's awesome. They got crushed by the Bears in the Super Bowl after winning three road well, games. Tony to make Eason it. came out of the greatest draft for quarterbacks in, in NFL history, that 83 draft, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the draft, obviously, that Marino and Elway came out of. Yeah, and Elway, don't forget, refused to – what is it, the Colts he refused to go to? Yeah, it was the refused, Colts he refused to go to. Yeah, and Ernie Arcorzi, who's a former media PR guy, became a GM – um, you know, had to deal him to the Broncos. And then when John Elway became the general manager of the Denver Broncos, basically the vice president GM, one of the first guys he talked to was Ernie Accorsi about how to team build because Accorsi still did a, had pretty competitive teams for a number of years. Accorsi uh, assisted in building the New York Giants when they won the Super Bowl. I don't know, whenever Jason Seahorn was there as a defensive, as a, as a safety going back around 99, 2000. Uh, yeah, it would have been 2000 or 2001. no. When they when they lost to the Ravens, that's what you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was gone when their two wins over the Patriots. Was he there for the first one? I don't think he was. See, Harmon? Anyway. No, I don't think so. He he was uh, dating Angie Harmon. Remember her? Yep, from Law and Order, right? And you know her who her grandfather is? Oh, man, I don't. This is good trivia for Wilkie Tom, here. Who is it? Tom, Tom Harmon was uh, a Heisman Trophy winner out of Michigan, about 19. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking around 1948. Okay. Good good lead in because the second category is the Lou Marsh Award. Now, oh no, I think I, I have faith in you. You know, I like to challenge you, but I have faith in you. And because I'm pretty sure you have interviewed or met both these people. Um, obviously, Alfonso Davies you know grew up partially in Edmonton and was a co-winner this year and I'm, I'm pretty sure I got my facts right in this question name the last two born and bred Albertans to win the Lou Marsh one was in oh. 2001 the other was in 1990 2001 was that was that Jerome Ginla? no this the person in 2001 shared it with a teammate their only teammate Oh, uh, the, so it would have been like a bobsledder or somebody like that? Uh, well, a winter Olympian who uh, was okay, part of so a very David Pelche, moment. So it would have, was it uh, uh, Pelche? 
with Soleil. It was it was Soleil David in two thousand one. Right, David's from Quebec, so geez, I'm going to be sorry, Craig, missed that one. Yes, Jamie Soleil, and I have interviewed her before. And then the other one was from nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Well, I could really give you a hint that would give it away. Um, it's a, it's a man. Yeah. Same sport as Soleil. Kurt Browning. Kurt Browning, absolutely. Born in Rocky Roundhouse, raised in Caroline. Have you interviewed him? <laughs> I've gone drinking with Kurt. <laughs> That's awesome. Often, so Kurt Browning uh, and uh, Michael Slepchuk were best friends at the Royal Glenora with a friend of mine named Norm Prof. Norm Prof was the number three ranked figure skater in Canada behind those two guys who were the guys that went to the Olympics every year. And Norm Prof worked with me and Red Robin, and we used to have parties, and those guys would show up. And, you know, that was right around the time that uh, Kurt uh, Browning, you know, uh, Katarina Witt was the big star in the women's, and Kurt was the big star with the guys, and he was a great guy. Terrific guy. Bob, you did great. This was an awesome hit, buddy. Have a great show tomorrow. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Bye-bye. Bob Stoffer, Oilers now, noon to two every day on 6-3 Chet. He did pretty well with that quiz for Stoffer. The, the Lou Marsh one was a little out of left field. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But he figured it out and he nailed the Patriots quarterback question. Back after the break. Mystery voice man. Greta Van Fleet. Did I say that right? You did. Good track. If you ever want to hear anything coming back from commercial, text it in to 780-496-0063. Was that Top Jimmy by Van Halen? We had uh yeah. looking for earlier. Cool. Uh, I think it was the Hermit that texted that in. So there we go. the uh, number to both call and text. I saw today, I am not fully caught up, but Disney announced a whole bunch of Marvel and Star Wars content over the next three or four years. There's going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi series with Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. There's uh, a movie coming out called Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins, who directed the two Wonder Woman movies. Uh, Taika Watiti, the guy who directed the the really funny Thor movie. Which one was that, Kellen? Thor, um, the funny one <laughs> with, with Hella, with uh, Kate Blanchett. Which the uh, was that Ragnarok? Ragnarok, okay. Thor Ragnarok, which is a, a very good film. He's going to do I a Star seen Wars that one movie. Once, but I didn't. I I enjoyed it, but I was like, eh, I seen it once. So well, that's like a top three Marvel movie for me. But what do I know? Oh, it's Star Trek Discovery Night. I just remembered. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing after the show. 
Well, I would watch the rest of the football game. It may not be competitive by that point. This person says, hi, Reed. I've listened to your show on occasion and I enjoy it. I texted in a story about the Grey Cup and my dad recently. I just heard that you're a Seahawks fan, so I'm afraid that I will have to tune out indefinitely. Then they put Steelers, which a bunch of black and gold hearts. All right. Well, you have two Seahawks fans here then. That's my team too, so. That's right. Flawed team this year, but they should be able to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Steelers are good. I don't think they're better than the Chiefs, but they're good. And look, they beat the Seahawks when they played in the Super Bowl, so I don't know why you got to lord that over me. (laughs) All right. We will have... Oh, Rob Vanstone's coming up. This is cool. So he's the he was that one vote that was off on his own in the Lou Marsh earlier this week. So he's going to tell that tale and deciding to go public with it and all that kind of stuff. And if we have time, and let's hope we do, we'll play Name the Animal. tonight 17-0 Rams leading New England late in the first half oh check that Patriots just got a field goal 17-3 but a minute to go in the first half our uh, guest scheduled for tomorrow world champ Edmontonian boxer Jelena Mergenovic is going to join us she has a bout coming up one week from tonight so we will get the details there Tyler Benson is uh, going to be on the show. I'm actually scheduled to uh, tape an interview with Tyler tomorrow morning, obviously a time change there because of uh, he's playing over in Switzerland for the GCK Lions. So uh, I'll talk to him in the morning. We'll get that interview on uh, Inside Sports. So that's going to be a cool couple other surprises. I believe on the show tomorrow, we're having a dude who built his own golf course which I, I'm really curious to see how this works. I, I know it's not golf season, but I thought this was a, a great story, something that would be cool on the show. Um, he Basically, he went golfing and decided, oh, I could have one of these, and he just built one on his property. I think the public can go play there. I want to get the full story tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, that's tomorrow on the show. Exciting. Uh, This texter says it's Simon writing and he says, Nathan Dempsey not only is an inspiration for young hockey players, but also for guys still going out and playing shitty later in life. Through my daughter and her husband, uh, my 75th birthday, they gave me two of, I believe it's two of, was it two of Nathan's sticks? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Simon. I might just... I might be misunderstanding your text or maybe I'm misunderstanding the, the punctuation, but yeah, definitely happy to have, uh, have you listening and uh, for sure. Very happy that you enjoyed the Nathan Dempsey interview. He's an inspiration, really good guy for sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to call or text the Lou Marsh award was given out earlier this week. It was split Alfonso Davies, the great soccer player from Edmonton plays for Bayern Munich in Germany and Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who hasn't played football since the Super Bowl. He helped the Chiefs win it, but he said, hey, I got a medical degree. I'm going to go help on the front lines to battle COVID. So they split, and some people said, well, me included, we're not sure Duvernay Tardif should have really been one of the winners. So they each had 18 votes. 
There was one other vote. We have that one from the Regina Leader Post. It's Rob Vanstone. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Not too bad, Reed. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited because I feel a little bit like maybe Sherlock Holmes, Hercule Poirot, Miss Marple, one of the great detectives <laughs> from literature of the past because a mystery has been solved. The, somebody, <laughs> the identity of somebody has been revealed. And it's you, Rob Vanstone. But, we're, but before we get to that, Lou Marsh voting. Tell us, uh, tell us how long you've been one of the voters and how you find the whole process of selecting the Lou Marsh every year. Uh, I was one of the voters probably until about 10 hours ago. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, it's been a handful of years now, and uh, it, there's it's, it's a little different this year with COVID, obviously, but the first part is nominations are made from the floor. People bandy about the... Uh, the candidates, the pros, the cons, whatever. There's an initial round of voting which selects the final five. And then from that final five, the uh, winner is chosen. Or winners are chosen, as it turned out. All right. And who who did you nominate this year before it even got to the voting? Who Did you put somebody forward? Normally, there would be nominations from the floor, but because of COVID, there was a, there was a, Pre, there was a list of candidates that people were invited to consider. If anybody wanted to nominate a candidate that wasn't on that list, they were absolutely free to do so, but I didn't, I didn't exercise that option. Okay. So you have been, well, you broke the story yourself. You unveiled yourself. So <laughs> I broke a lot of things by the sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you said, I, I'm, I'm the one guy that voted for not one of the two people who were tied. And and you said that you voted for Jamal Murray. So first of all, what, why why decide to make your vote public? Have you been surprised, either pleasantly or unpleasantly, about some of the reaction? <laughs> I've seen both ends of the spectrum, as you can pr- probably imagine. Uh, the, you know, working in the market, you do covering the teams that you do. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, there's a lot more dissenters than agreeers, but more, there's a lot more people who are reasonable than, than those who aren't. And uh, even the people who disagree with me, in a lot of cases, um, vehemently, they like the back and forth, they enjoy the debate, and I think, by and large, they, rep- they, they respect the, the right to vote as one sees, as one sees fit. There's the other constituency, is you know, if you don't vote for this person, you're crazy. But uh, that's that's been a fringe uh, element when I look at the, uh, the the responses I've received. As far as why do it, on Tuesday, obviously the vote was announced, the vote tally was announced. It wasn't announced who the normally voters don't announce who they are, um, and there was one vote for a third for a third finalist, and even even that identity was not known. And I thought, well, given the closeness of the vote, 1818 won, obviously that one, that, the, the number one carries a lot more weight than simply a unit of one, looking at how it all unfolded. So I thought, well, first I checked to see if it was okay with the convener, with the panel, uh, with Damien Cox, and say, okay, if I disclose how I vote, is there a problem with that? Am I violating, violating protocol? He said, no. I knew there was a lot of talk about it. A few people had asked me, who's this number one? Who's this one guy? And I said, well, it's uh, me. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to own it. 
it's okay. It's about accountability. It's about transparency. Um, I think I would expect that from somebody else in this situation. I don't want to be the guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter. You know, there's 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 things like that. A lot of controversy uh, ensues over, okay, who's that person? Who didn't vote for Joe DiMaggio in his first year of eligibility, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, um, you know, I'm just going to own it. That's my vote. That's what I felt. That's what I still feel. And uh, it was me. If you agree, great. If you don't, you're in the majority. Rob Vanstone joining us from the Leader Post talking about the uh, Lou Marsh voting this year, which has been kind of an interesting talker in the sports world this week. Were you surprised, because I was, that Duvernay Tardif got that many votes? And, and again, I'm not denying that he's not a great story and he's not a great human being for what he's done. But I was a little surprised. Actually, I was a lot surprised he got that many votes. I would have thought if there would have been a tie, it would have been Davies and Murray. Yeah, that's what I initially thought. But as as it went on, it became clear that there was a real groundswell of support. And by the I think by the end of the process, it was it was an either or situation. And some of the people who might have voted for Murray, I think, gravitated because it just came down to, you know, uh, A or B. Ultimately, uh, I am really surprised that Jamal Murray, considering what he did, only got one vote. I'm glad that he did get one vote because I think the kind of the, the year that he had, he deserved to be represented and, and acknowledged because it was it was tremendous. And uh, and that's not taking anything away from the two people who were the co-winners. Chase Claypool, I think, in a different year could have easily won that award as well. Ten touchdowns in ten games. So it was such a tough field compared to, you know, last year it was just a easy. You know, there was, that was that was a piece of cake. But today it was uh, it was an entire ba- this 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 year it was an entire bakery. And uh, so how do you how do you make that choice? And some people like steak, some people like lobster. It just uh, that's what it ultimately came down to. Yeah, well, it's it's been a it's been a good talker, I think, for uh, for a lot of sports fans. Uh, and again, I mean, Duvernay Tardif. Um, He's, he's deserving to get some sort of an award, I think, whether it's the Lou Marsh or not. So, so we'll yeah. see that it goes. Since, since I got you on the line here, since, sure. since I got you on the line here, uh, I mean, CFL, that's, you live in, you cover the, the team, you know, the, you well, the, other, the other football. <laughs> yeah, the other football. Uh, uh, the, the, like, there was no season. Uh, Randy Ambrosi's tried to be really upbeat. They got a schedule for 2021. There could be a free agent schmozzle <laughs> with all the contracts oh, expiring. Um, what do you expect for the CFL in 2021? Are you pretty optimistic we're going to see a, a good, healthy league getting back on track? I hope so, Reed. Guardedly optimistic, I think. I think it might be wildly optimistic to think that they'll be able to adhere with precision to the, to the schedule that they released a couple of weeks ago. That, to me seems like a push, especially when you look at what's happening in your province and ours. And you look at CFL hotbeds, you know, I mean, look at Manitoba as well. They just, when it, the Bombers, Riders, Eskimo, Stampeders, those are four cornerstone franchises. And I, I, it might be a real push to think that it's going to abate, even with a vaccine in time for the spring and for things to, uh, to unfold on schedule. But it, I think there's a little bit more optimism about the fall. So I would think at the very least they would be able to pull off what they were hoping to do last September, October, November, uh, maybe with some fans in the stands, you know, not exclusively within the bubble. I think they might be able to do a bit of a compromise arrangement and have a partial season or two thirds of a season. I think 18 weeks preseason, uh, preseason, a full training camp. 
Uh, I can't see the pendulum swinging, swinging that, uh, that quickly, but I would love to be wrong. I would love to have people tweet at me on, May, on you know, the third week of May and say, not only did you screw up the Lou Marshall Award vote, but you, <laughs> <laughs> you thought there wouldn't be a training camp in May, right? So uh, I'd love to get that one wrong. Uh, please hold me to it. Well, that's what I uh, I like about you, Rob. You uh, you are not fr- afraid to proclaim yourself a screw up. So that makes fun radio for sure. But I don't think, I don't think you are. But <laughs> there's a legion of, there's a legion of people who will nod and concur when they hear that. So many of many in my family actually. <laughs> I, I, I doubt that, Rob. Rob Vansto checking in tonight from the Regina Leader Post. His tale of his lone vote for the Lou Marsh and some thoughts on the CFL. He's not overly optimistic the CFL will be able to get in a full season. Barhead Bill writing in tonight. He says, Duvernay Tardif is a genuine hero for the choice he made this year. He is not Canada's top athlete of 2020. Davies is far and away the best, but the 18 votes for Duvernay Tardif are way worse than the one for Murray. That is Barhead Bill coming in on the text line tonight. We're going to do it, everybody. Whether you like it or not, and oh, I know yeah. the answer is probably not, but when we get back, name the answer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Animal. Third track on Def Leppard's classic fourth album, Animal. 17-3, Rams leading the Patriots at the half. They just flashed a stat on the old tube. Under Sean McVay, the Rams are 33-0 when leading at halftime. I expect that to go to 34 tonight. My apologies to Dave Campbell, who cheers for the New England Patriots. Okay, so we'll uh, do a, we'll do a Name the Animal tonight. We, we started doing this last week after we heard some elk noises when we were talking about the possibility of the football team being named the Edmonton Elk or Elks. Mm-hmm. So what, what we had, what did we have? We, I knew the walrus right, right away on Friday. I needed help from listeners and clues from you to get the fox, to get the cougar. And what was the other one? Uh, raven. Oh, yeah, the raven. That was, that was raven. a weird one. So to explain the premise of this, in case it's not clear... Kellen Kennedy, who's back at 630 Chet Studio, hey, I'm at home in my, in my office. He plays an animal noise, and I have to guess what it is. You're welcome to help me on the text line, though you can't win anything. This is not for a canned ham or, or anything like that or money or, like, tickets to the Nanima Scurry concert or, or anything like that. It is, just, it is just for fun, but you can help me if you want, and then you just get my... My thank you. All right, Kellen, I'm ready for the animal noise. Okay, here it comes. And for everybody listening at home, here it comes down in three, two, and one. 
Is that a jackal? No. Is it a coyote? It is not. Oh, there's more there at the end. That's that is, the same animal? It is the same animal. This is about a minute 50 of it. Okay, well, I think you could turn it down a bit. <laughs> okay, is it... Uh, okay, let's, let's, I'll do the question. Is it a mammal? It is a mammal, yeah. Is it? Is it four-legged? It is, yes. Uh, is it a hyena? You got it. That's what it is. Somebody help me. A couple people texted in. I, sh- I should have got that. I should have got that. When I said jackal, I was... Yeah, I should have said hyena. Because they're the ones that laugh, right? That's uh, hyena laughing, and, yeah. And for some reason, I thought it was jackal. And jackal, of course, is uh, a character from the Spider-Man comic book, Dr. Miles Warren, who went crazy and became the jackal. So that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That was a hyena. That was, I should have got that one. I'm disappointed in myself. Well, I, which is kind of the mood I'm in most of the day. Mm. I thought that th- yeah, I thought this one was going to be a softball for you, honestly. When I picked it, so well, never like, underestimate how poor I am at this game, as I've uh, as I've demonstrated. So it was a hy- hyena. Now several people uh, texting that in. Those Cowtown Bob says it's a Canada goose in heat. Well, maybe that'll be a noise. <laughs> maybe that'll be a noise for a future day. Horny geese. I'll take horny geese for a thousand, Alex. Horny geese are known to make this noise. And then I, I guess that you, you'd have to make the noise. So, well, thank you for that. That uh, that was pretty good. Kevin texted in before we even played the noise. This is how excited Kevin, uh, well, listening tonight, was about this this segment. Mm. He was texting in names of animals during the commercial. <laughs> he, <laughs> okay. he texted in chipmunk. Wow, Kevin's speaking of horny. Kevin's horny for name the animal. Well, isn't that like um, one of the things off of like old school episodes of Jeopardy, where the person would just buzz in when Alex would be like, you know, this phrase has an and do do do, and then they'd not even get the que- like the answer out, like three words into the answer, the person would be like, um, blah blah blah, and then it would be inevitably wrong. But most of, the, but sometimes it got right. So I don't know. Hyenas live in. Uh, Africa and parts of Asia, by the looks of it. I don't think we have any hyena no, in it's uh, not North na- America. It's not native to Alberta at all, no. Well, maybe I'll bring one in as a pet. Who's who's going to stop me? The government? Uh, all right. Well, there's some funny-looking ones. They're not in... They're kind of cute, actually, in their in their own way, except they just except they just spend their entire life... It'd be hard to own a hyena because he would just be laughing at you all the time. Okay, that was a fun show tonight. You heard from Rob Vanstone, Bob Stoffer, Nathan Dempsey, and Cam Moon. You miss anything, sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast. Go to the show page on 630shed.com, globalnews.ca. As I mentioned, Tyler Benson, Jelena Mergenovic, scheduled for tomorrow. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator and the mastermind behind the animal sounds. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.